0: Chapter 5, Part 1 of Summer on the Lakes in 1843. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summer on the Lakes in 1843 by Margaret Fuller. Chapter 5, Wisconsin. A territory not yet a state, still nearer the acorn than we were. It was very pleasant coming up these large and elegant boats are so well arranged that every excursion may be a party of pleasure there are many fair shows to see on the lake and its shores almost always new and agreeable persons on board pretty children playing about ladies singing and if not very well there is room to keep out of the way you may see a great deal here of life in the london sense if you know a few people or if you do not have the tact to look about you without seeming to stare we came to milwaukee where we were to pass a fortnight or more this place is most beautifully situated a little river with romantic banks passes up through the town the bank of the lake is here a bold bluff eighty feet in height from its summit you enjoyed a noble outlook on the lake A little narrow path wound around the edge of the lake below i like this walk much above me this high wall of rich earth garlanded on its crest with trees the long ripples of the lake coming up to my feet here standing in the shadow i could appreciate better its magnificent changes of colour which are the chief beauties of the lake waters but these are indescribable it was fine to ascend into the lighthouse above this bluff and watch from thence the thunderclouds which so frequently rose over the lake for the great boats coming in approaching the milwaukee pier they made a bend and seemed to do obeisance in the heavy style of some dowager duchess entering a circle she wishes to treat with especial respect these boats come in and out every day and still afford a cause for general excitement the people swarm down to greet them to receive and send away their packages and letters to me they seem such mighty messengers to give by their noble motion such an idea of the power and fulness of life that they were worthy to carry dispatches from king to king it must be very pleasant for those who have an active share in carrying on the affairs of this great and growing world to see them come in must be very pleasant to those who have dearly loved friends at the next station to those who have neither business nor friends it sometimes gives a desolating sense of insignificance the town promises to be some time a fine one as it is so well situated and they have good building material a yellow brick very pleasing to the eye it seems to grow before you and has indeed but just emerged from the thickets of oak and wild roses a few steps will take you into the thickets and certainly i never saw so many wild roses or so beautiful a red of such a color were the first red ones the world ever saw, when, says the legend, Venus flying to the assistance of Adonis. The rose-bushes kept catching her to make her stay, In the drops of blood the thorns drew from her feet as she tore herself away, fell on the white roses, and turned them this beautiful red. I will here insert, though, with no excuse, except that it came to memory at the time, this description of Titian's Venus and Adonis. This picture has that perfect balance of lines and forms that it would, as was said of all Raphaels, seen at any distance have the air of an ornamental design. It also tells its story at the first glance, though, like all beautiful works, it gains by study. On one side slumbers the little god of love as an emblem, I suppose, that only the love of man is worth embodying, for surely Cytherea is awake enough the quiver of cupid suspended to a tree gives sportive grace to the scene which softens the tragedy of a breaking tie the dogs of adonis pull upon his hand he can scarce forbear to burst from the detaining arms of beauty herself yet he waits a moment to coax her to make an unmeaning promise a moment a moment my love and i will return a moment only adonis is not beautiful except in the expression of eager youth the queen of beauty does not choose apollo venus herself is very beautiful especially the body as lovely as can be and the soft imploring look gives a conjugal delicacy to the face which purifies the whole picture this venus is not as fresh as moving and breathing as shakespeare's yet lovelier to the mind if not to the sense tis difficult to look at this picture without indignation because it is in one respect so true why must women always try to detain and restrain what they love foolish beauty let him go it is thy tenderness that has spoiled him be less lovely less feminine abandon thy fancy for giving thyself wholly cease to love so well and any hercules will spin among thy maids if thou wilt but let him go this time thou canst not keep him sit there by thyself on that bank and instead of thinking how soon he will come back think how thou mayst love him no better than he does thee for the time has come it was soon after this moment that the poor queen hearing the frightened hounds apprehended the rash huntsman's danger and flying through the woods gave their hue to the red roses to return from the grecian isles to milwaukee one day walking along the river's bank in search of a waterfall to be seen from one ravine we heard tones from a band of music and saw a gay troop shooting at a mark on the opposite bank between every shot the band played the effect was very pretty on this walk we found two of the oldest and most gnarled hemlocks that ever afforded study for a painter they were the only ones we saw they seemed the veterans of a former race at milwaukee as at chicago are many pleasant people drawn together from all parts of the world a resident here would find great piquancy in the associations those he met having such dissimilar histories and topics and several persons i saw evidently transplanted from the most refined circles to be met in this country there are lures enough in the west for people of all kinds the enthusiast and the cunning man the naturalist and the lover who needs to be rich for the sake of her he loves the torrent of emigration swells very strongly towards this place during the fine weather the poor refugees arrive daily in their national dresses all travel-soiled and worn the night they pass in rude shanties in a particular quarter of the town then walk off into the country the mothers carrying their infants the fathers leading the little children by the hand seeking a home where their hands may maintain them one morning we set off in their track and travelled a day's journey into this country fair yet not in that part which i saw comparable in my eyes to the rock river region it alternates rich fields proper for grain with oak openings as they are called bold various and beautiful were the features of the scene but i saw not those majestic sweeps those boundless distances those heavenly fields it was not the same world neither did we travel in the same delightful manner we were now in a nice carriage which must not go off the road for fear of breakage with a regular coachman whose chief care was not to tire his horses and who had no taste for entering fields in pursuit of wild flowers or tempting some strange woodpath in search of whatever might befall it was pleasant but almost as tame as new england but charming indeed was the place where we stopped it was in the vicinity of a chain of lakes and on the bank of the loveliest little stream called the bark river which flowed in rapid amber brightness through fields and dells and stately knolls of the most idyllic beauty the little log cabin where we slept with its flower garden in front disturbed the scene no more than a stray lock on the fair cheek the hospitality of that house i may well call princely it was the boundless hospitality of the heart which if it has no aladdin's lamp to create a palace for the guest, does him still higher service by the freedom of its bounty up to the very last drop of its powers sweet were the sunsets seen in the valley of this stream though here and i grieve to say no less near the rock river the fiend who is ever liberty to tempt the happy in this world appeared in the shape of mosquitoes and allowed us no bodily to enjoy our mental peace one day we ladies gave under the guidance of our host to visiting all the beauties of the adjacent lakes nabobin silver and pine lakes on the shores of nabobin had formerly been one of the finest indian villages our host said that one day as he was lying there beneath the bank he saw a tall indian standing at gaze on the knoll he lay a long time curious to see how long the figure would maintain its statue-like absorption but at last his patience yielded and in moving he made a slight noise the indian saw him gave a wild snorting sound of indignation and pain and strode away what feelings must consume their heart at such moments i scarcely see how they can forbear to shoot the white man where he stands but the power of fate is with the white man and the indian feels it the same generation told of his travelling through the wilderness with an Indian guide. He had with him a bottle of spirit which he meant to give him in small quantities, but the Indian, once excited, wanted the whole at once. I would not, said Mr. Blank, give it to him, for I thought if he got really drunk there was an end to his services as a guide. But he persisted, and at last tried to take it from me. I was not armed, he was, and twice as strong as I but I knew an Indian could not resist the look of a white man, and I fixed my eyes steadily on his. He bore it for a moment, and then his eye fell, he let go of the bottle. I took his gun and threw it to a distance. After a few moments' pause, I told him to go and fetch it and left it in his hands. From that moment he was quite obedient, even servile, all the rest of the way. This gentleman, though, in other respects of most kindly and liberal heart, showed the aversion that the white man soon learns to feel for the indian on whom he encroaches the aversion of the injurer for him he has degraded after telling the anecdote of his seeing the indian gazing at the seat of his former home and which one would think would have awakened soft compassion almost remorse in the present owner of that fair hill which contained for the exile the bones of his dead the ashes of his hopes he observed they cannot be prevented from straggling back here to their old haunts i wish they could they ought not to be permitted to drive away our game our game just heavens this same gentleman showed on a slight occasion the true spirit of the sportsman or perhaps i might say of man when engaged in any kind of chase showing us some antlers he said this one belonged to a majestic creature but this other was the beauty. I had been lying a long time at watch, when at last I heard them come crackling along. I lifted my head cautiously as they burst through the trees. The first was a magnificent fellow, but then I saw coming one, the prettiest, the most graceful I ever beheld. There was something so soft and beseeching in its look. I chose him at once, took aim, and shot him dead. You see, the antlers are not very large it was young but the prettiest creature in the course of this morning's drive we visited the gentlemen on their fishing party they hailed us gaily and rowed ashore to show us what fine booty they had no disappointment there no dull work on the beautiful point of land from which we first saw them lived a contented woman the only one i heard of out there she was english and said she had seen so much suffering in her own country that. The hardships of this seemed as nothing to her. But the others, even our sweet and gentle hostess, found their labors disproportioned to their strength, if not to their patience. And while their husbands and brothers enjoyed the country in hunting or fishing, they found themselves confined to a comfortless and laborious indoor life. But it need not be so long. This afternoon, driving about on the banks of these lakes, we found the scene all of one kind of loveliness wide graceful woods and then these fine sheets of water with fine points of land jutting out boldly into them it was lovely but not striking or peculiar all woods suggest pictures the european forest with its long glades and green sunny dells naturally suggested the figures of arm knight on his proud steed or maiden decked in gold and pearl pricking along them on a snow-white palfrey the green dells of weary palmer sleeping there beside the spring with his head upon his wallet our minds familiar with such figures people with them the new england woods wherever the sunlight falls down a longer than usual cart track wherever a cleared spot has lain still enough for the trees to look friendly with their exposed sides cultivated by the light and the grass to look velvet warm and be embroidered with flowers these western woods suggest a different kind of ballad the indian legends have often an air of the wildest solitude as has the one mr lowell has put into verse in his late volume but i did not see those wild woods only such as suggest little romances of love and sorrow like this a maiden sat beneath the tree tear bedewed her pale cheeks be and she sigheth heavily from the wood into the light a hunter strides with carol light and a glance so bold and bright he careless stopped and eyed the maid why weepest thou he gently said i love thee well be not afraid he takes her hand and leads her on she should have waited there alone for he was not her chosen one he leans her head upon his breast she knew twas not her home of rest, but ah she had been sore distressed the sacred stars look sadly down, the parting moon appeared to frown, To see thus dim the diamond crown. Then from the thicket starts a deer, the huntsman seizing on his spear, cries maiden, wait thou for me here. She sees him vanish into night, she starts from sleep into deep affright, for it was not her own true knight, though but in dream Gunhilda fell, though but a fancied ill assailed though she but fancied fault bewailed yet thought of day makes dream of night she's not worthy of the night the inmost altar burns not bright if loneliness thou canst not bear cannot the dragon's venom dare of the pure mead thou shouldst despair now sadder that lone maiden sighs far bitter her tears profane her eyes crushed in the dust her heart's flower lies on the bank of silver river we saw an indian encampment a shower threatened us but we resolved to try if we could not visit it before it came on we crossed a wide field on foot and found them amid the trees on a shelving bank just as we reached them the rain began to fall in torrents with frequent thunderclaps and we had to take refuge in their lodges these were very small being for temporary use and we crowded the occupants much among whom were several sick on the damp ground or with only a ragged mat between them and it but they showed all the gentle courtesy which marks them towards the stranger who stands in any need though it was obvious that the visit which inconvenienced them could only have been caused by the most impertinent curiosity they made us as comfortable as their extreme poverty permitted they seemed to think we would not like to touch them a sick girl in the lodge where i was persisted in moving so as to give me the dry place a woman with the sweet melancholy eye of the race kept off the children and wet dogs from even the hem of my garment without their fires smoldered and black kettles hung over them on sticks smoked and seethed in the rain an old theatrical-looking indian stood with arms folded looking up to the heavens from which the rain dashed and the thunder reverberated his air was french roman that is more romanesque than roman the indian ponies much excited kept careering through the wood around the encampment and now and then halting suddenly would thrust in their intelligent though amazed visits as if to ask their masters when this awful pother would cease and then after a moment rush and trample off again at last we got off well wetted, but with a picturesque scene for memory At a house where we stopped to get dry, they told us that this wandering band of Potawatomies, who had returned on a visit, either from homesickness or need of relief, were extremely destitute. The women had been there to see if they could barter their headbands, with which they clubbed their hair behind into a form not unlike a Grecian knot, for food. They seemed indeed to have neither food, utensils, clothes, nor bedding, nothing but the ground, the sky, and their own strength little wonder if they drove off the game part of the same band i had seen in milwaukee on a begging dance the effect of this was wild and grotesque they wore much paint and feather headdresses indians without paint are poor coots said a gentleman who had been a great deal with and really liked them and i like the effect of the paint on them it reminds me of the gay fantasies of nature with them in milwaukee was a chief the finest indian figure i saw more than six feet in height erect and of a sullen but grand gait and gesture he wore a deep red blanket which fell in large folds from his shoulders to his feet did not join in the dance but slowly strode about through the streets a fine sight not a french roman but a real roman he looked unhappy but listlessly unhappy as if he felt it was of no use to strive or resist while in the neighbourhood of these lakes we visited also a foreign settlement of great interest here were minds it seemed to comprehend the trust of their new life and if they can only stand true to them will derive and bestow great benefits therefrom but sad and sickening to the enthusiast who comes to these shores hoping the tranquil enjoyment of intellectual blessings and the pure happiness of mutual love must be a part of the scene that he encounters at first he has escaped from the heartlessness of courts to encounter the vulgarity of a mob he has secured solitude but it is a lonely a deserted solitude amid the abundance of nature he cannot from petty but insuperable obstacles procure for a long time comforts or a home but let him come sufficiently armed with patience to learn the new spells which the new dragons require and this can only be done on the spot he will not finally be disappointed of the promised treasure the mob will resolve itself into men yet crude but of good dispositions and capable of good character the solitude will become sufficiently enlivened and home grow up at last from the rich sod in this transition state we found one of these homes as we approached, it seemed the very eden which earth might still afford to a pair willing to give up the hackneyed pleasures of the world for a better and more intimate communion with one another and with beauty. The wild road led through wild, beautiful woods to the wilder and more beautiful shores of the finest lake we saw. On its waters, glittering in the morning sun, a few Indians were paddling to and fro in their light canoes on one of those fair knolls i have so often mentioned stood the cottage beneath trees which stooped as if they yet felt brotherhood with its roof-tree flowers waved birds fluttered round all had the sweetness of a happy seclusion all invited on entrance to cry all hail ye happy ones to those who inhabited it but on entrance to those evidently rich in personal beauty talents love and courage the aspect of things was rather sad sickness had been with them death care and labor these had not yet blighted them but had turned their gay smiles grave it seemed that hope and joy had given place to resolution how much too was there in them worthless in this place which would have been so valuable elsewhere refined graces cultivated powers shine in vain before field laborers as laborers are in this present world you might as well cultivate heliotropes to present to an ox oxen and heliotropes are both good but not for one another with them were some of the old means of enjoyment the books the pencil the guitar but where the wash-top and the axe are so constantly in requisition there is not much time and pliancy of hand for these in the inner room the master of the house was seated he had been sitting there long for he had injured his foot on shipboard, and his farming had to be done by proxy. His beautiful young wife was his only attendant and nurse, as well as a farm-housekeeper. How well she performed hard and unaccustomed duties! The objects of her care showed. Everything that belonged to the house was rude but neatly arranged. The invalid confined to an uneasy wooden chair. They had not been able to induce anyone to bring them an easy chair from the town looked as neat and elegant as if he had been dressed by the valet of a duke he was of northern blood with clear full blue eyes calm features a tempering of the soldier scholar and man of the world in his aspect whether that various intercourses had given himself that thorough look never seen in americans or that it was inherited from a race who had known all these disciplines he formed a great but pleasing contrast to his wife whose glowing complexion and dark mellow eye bespoke an origin in some climate more familiar with the sun he looked as if he could sit there a great while patiently and live on his own mind biding his time she as if she could bear anything for affection's sake but would feel the weight of each moment as it passed seeing the album full of drawings and verses which bespoke the circle of elegant and affectionate intercourse they had left behind we could not but see that the young wife sometimes must need a sister the husband a companion and both must often miss that electricity which sparkles from the chain of congenial minds for man a position is desirable in some degree proportioned to his education mr birkbeck was bred a farmer but these were nurslings of the court and city they may persevere for an affectionate courage shown in their eyes and if so become true lords of the soil and informing geniuses to those around then perhaps they will feel that they have not paid too dear for the tormented independence of the new settlers life but generally damask roses will not thrive in the wood and a ruder growth if healthy and pure we wish rather to see there i feel very differently about these foreigners from americans american men and women are inexcusable if they do not bring up children so as to be fit for vicissitudes that is the meaning of our star that here all men being free and equal all should be fitted for freedom and an independence by his own resources wherever the changeful wave of our mighty stream may take him but the star of europe brought a different horoscope and mixed destinies breaks the thread of both the arabian horse will not plow well nor can the plough-horse be rode to play the jureed, but a man is a man wherever he goes and something precious cannot fail to be gained by one who knows how to abide by a resolution of any kind and pay the cost without a murmur returning the fine carriage at last fulfilled its threat of breaking down we took refuge in a farmhouse here was a pleasant scene a rich and beautiful estate several happy families who had removed together and formed a natural community ready to help and enliven one another they were farmers at home in western new york and both men and women knew how to work yet even here the women did not like the change but they were willing as it might be best for the young folks their hospitality was great the house full of women and pretty children seemed all of one mind returning to milwaukee much fatigued i entertained myself for a day or two with reading the book i had brought with me was in strong contrast with the life around me very strange was this vision of an exalted and sensitive existence which seemed to invade the next sphere in contrast with the spontaneous instinctive life so healthy and so near the ground i had been surveying this was the german book entitled the Seeress of Prevorst*, revelations concerning the inward life of man and the projection of a world of spirits into ours, communicated by Justinius Kerner. This book published in Germany some twelve years since, which called forth their plenteous dews of admiration, as plenteous hailstorms of jeers and scorns, I never saw mentioned till some year or two since in any English publication, then a playful but not sarcastic account of it in the Dublin magazine so far excited my curiosity that i procured the book intending to read it so soon as i should have some leisure days such as this journey has afforded dr kerner its author is a man of distinction in his native land both as a physician and a thinker though always on the side of reverence marvel and mysticism he was known to me only through two or three little poems of his in catholic legends which. I much admired for the fine sense they showed of the beauty of symbols. He here gives a biography, mental and physical, of one of the most remarkable cases of high nervous excitement that the age so interested in such yet affords, with all its phenomena of clairvoyance and susceptibility of magnetic influences. I insert some account of this biography at the request of many who have been interested by slight references to it the book a thick and heavy volume written with true german patience some would say clumsiness has not probably and may not be translated into other languages as to my own mental position on these subjects it may be briefly expressed by a dialogue between several persons who honour me with a portion of friendly confidence and of criticism and myself expressed as free hope the others may be styled old church good sense and self-poise good sense i wonder you take any interest in such observations or experiments don't you see how almost impossible it is to make them with any exactness how entirely impossible to know anything about them unless made by yourself when the least leaven of credulity excited fancy to say nothing of willing or careless imposture spoils the whole loaf beside allowing the possibility of some clear glimpses into a higher state of being what do we want of it now all around us lies what we neither understand nor use our capacities our instincts for this our present sphere are but half developed let us confine ourselves to that till the lesson be learned let us be completely natural before we trouble ourselves with the supernatural i never see any of these things but i long to get away and lie under a green tree and let the wind blow on me there is marvel and charm enough in that for me free hope and for me also nothing is truer than the words creed on which Carlyle lays such stress that we need only look on the miracle of every day to sate ourselves with thought and admiration every day but how are our faculties sharpened to do it precisely by apprehending the infinite results of every day who sees the meaning of the flower uprooted in the ploughed field the ploughman who does not look beyond its boundaries and does not raise his eyes from the ground no but the poet who sees that field and its relations with the universe and looks oftener to the sky than on the ground only the dreamer shall understand realities though in truth his dreaming must not be out of proportion to his waking the mind roused powerfully by this existence stretches of itself into what the french sage calls the aromal state from the hope thus gleaned it forms the hypothesis under whose banner it collects its facts long before these slight attempts were made to establish as a science what is at present called animal magnetism always in fact men were occupied more or less with this vital principle principle of flux and influx, dynamic of our mental mechanics, human phase of electricity. Poetic observation was pure, there was no quackery in its free course, as there is so often in this wilful tampering with the hidden springs of life, for it is tampering unless done in a patient spirit and with severe truth. Yet it may be, by the rude or greedy miners, some good ore is unearthed, and some there are who work in the true temper, patient and accurate in trial, not rushing to conclusions, feeling there is a mystery, not eager to call it by name, till they can know it as a reality. Such may learn, such may teach. Subject to the sudden revelations, the breaks in habitual existence caused by the aspect of death, the touch of love, the flood of music, i never lived that i remember what you call a common natural day all my days are touched by the supernatural for i feel the pressure of hidden causes and the presence sometimes the communion of unseen powers it needs not that i should ask the clairvoyant whether a spirit world projects into ours as to the specific evidence i would not tarnish my mind by hasty reception the mind is not i know a highway but a temple and its doors should not be carelessly left open. Yet it were sin if indolence or coldness excluded what had he claimed to enter, and I doubt whether in the eyes of pure intelligence an ill-grounded hasty rejection be not a greater sign of weakness than an ill-grounded and hasty faith. I will quote as my best plea the saying of a man old in years but not in heart, and whose long life has been distinguished by that Clear adaption of means to ends, which gives the credit of practical wisdom. He wrote to his child, I have lived too long and seen too much to be incredulous. Noble the thought, no less its frank expression, instead of saws of caution, mean advices, and other modern instances. Such was the romance of Socrates when he bade his disciples sacrifice a cock to Esculapius, old church you're always so quick-witted and voluble free hope you don't get time to see how often you err and even perhaps sin and blaspheme the author of all has intended to confine our knowledge within certain boundaries has given us a short span of time for a certain probation for which our faculties are adapted by wild speculation and intemperate curiosity we violate his will and incur dangerous perhaps fatal consequences We waste our powers, and, becoming morbid and visionary, are unfitted to obey positive precepts and perform positive duties. Free Hope I do not see how it is possible to go further beyond the results of a limited human experience than those do who pretend to settle the origin and nature of sin, the final destiny of souls, and the whole plan of the causal spirit with regard to them. I think those who take your view have not examined themselves, and do not know the ground on which they stand. I acknowledge no limit, set up by man's opinion, as to the capacities of man. Care is not taken, I see it, that the trees grow not up into heaven, but to me it seems the more vigorously they aspire the better. Only let it be a vigorous, not a partial or sickly aspiration. Let not the tree forget its root so long as the child insists on knowing where its dead parent is so long as bright eyes weep at mysterious pressures too heavy for the life so long as that impulse is constantly arising which made the roman emperor address his soul in a strain of such touching softness vanishing from the thought as the column of smoke from the eye i know of no inquiry which the impulse of man suggests that is forbidden to the resolution of man to pursue in every inquiry, unless sustained by a pure and reverent spirit, he gropes in the dark or falls headlong. Self-poise. All this may be very true, but what is the use of all this straining? Far sought is dear bought. When we know that all is in an each and that the ordinary contains the extraordinary, why should we play the baby and insist upon having the moon for a toy when a tin dish will do as well? our deep ignorance is a chasm that we can only fill up by degrees but the commonest rubbish will help us as well as shred silk the god brahma while on earth was set to fill up a valley but he had only a basket given him in which to fetch earth for this purpose so is it with us all no leaps no starts will avail us but patient crystallization alone the equal temper of wisdom is attainable sit at home and the spirit world will look in at your window with moonlit eyes run out to find it and rainbow and golden cup will have vanished and left you the beggarly child you were the better part of wisdom is a sublime prudence a pure and patient truth that will receive nothing it is not sure it can permanently lay to heart of our study there should be in proportion two-thirds of rejection to one of acceptance and amid the manifold infatuations and illusions of this world of emotion a being capable of clear intelligence can do no better service than to hold himself upright avoid nonsense and do what chores lie in his way acknowledging every moment that primal truth which no fact exhibits nor if pressed by too warm a hope will even indicate i think indeed it is part of our lesson to give a formal consent to what is farcical and to and to pick up our living and our virtue amid what is so ridiculous, hardly deigning a smile, and certainly not vexed. The work is done through all, if not by everyone. Free Hope Thou art greatly wise, my friend, and ever respected by me. Yet I find not in your theory or your scope room enough for the lyric inspirations or the mysterious whispers of life to me it seems that it is matter never to abandon oneself than often to be infatuated better to be wounded a captive and a slave than always to walk in armour as to magnetism that is only a matter of fancy you sometimes need just such a field in which to wander vagrant and if it bear a higher name yet it may be that in last result the trance of pythagoras might be classed with a more infantine transports of the cirrus of Prevorst. what is done interests me more than what is thought and supposed every fact is impure but every fact contains in it the juices of life every fact is a clod from which may grow an amaranth or a palm do you climb the snowy peaks from whence came the streams where the atmosphere is rare where you can see the sky nearer from which you can get a commanding view of the landscape i see great disadvantages as well as advantages in this dignified position i had rather walk myself through all kinds of places even at the risk of being robbed in the forest half drowned at the ford and covered with dust in the street i would beat with the living heart of the world and understand all the moods even the fancies or fantasies of nature i dare to trust to the interpreting spirit to bring me out all right at last to establish truth through error whether this be the best way is of no consequence if it be the one individual character points out for one like me it would be vain from glittering heights the eyes to strain i the truth can only know test it by life's most fiery glow seeds of thought will never thrive till dews of love shall bid them live let me stand in my age with all its waters flowing round me if they sometimes subdue they must finally upbear me for i seek the universal and that must be the best the spirit no doubt leads in every movement of my time if i seek the how i shall find it as well as if i busied myself more with the why whatever is is right if only men are steadily bent to make it so by comprehending and fulfilling its design may not i have an office too in my hospitality and ready sympathy if i sometimes entertain guests who cannot pay with gold coin with fair rose nobles that is better than to lose the chance of entertaining angels unawares you my three friends are held in heart honor by me you especially good sense because where you do not go yourself you do not object to another's going if you will you are really liberal you old church are of use by keeping unforgot the effigies of old religion and reviving the tone of pure spencerian sentiment which this time is apt to stifle in its childish haste but you are very faltering and censoring and wishing to limit others by your own standard you, self-poise, fill a priestly office. Could but a larger intelligence of the vocation of others, and a tender sympathy with their individual natures be added, had you more of love or more of apprehensive genius, for either would give you the needed expansion and delicacy, you would command my entire reverence. As it is, I must at times deny and oppose you, and so must others, for you tend by your influence to exclude us from our full free life. You must be content when you censor, and rejoiced when you approve, always admonished to good by your whole being, and sometimes by your judgment. And so I pass on to interest myself and others in the memoir of the Sayerin von Prevorst. End of chapter 5, part 1